0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
0: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The volume.
4: Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's app store and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live.
2: This is boxing with Chris Mannix. Somebody punch him in the face.
4: Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher.
2: Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going
4: on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's
3: Chris Mannix.
4: This is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network, and we are coming off a fantastic week in boxing. Last week, we talked about the Inouye-Fulton fight that happened on Tuesday. On Saturday, we got another epic. Terrence Crawford knocks out Errol Spence in the ninth round, established himself as the number one guy in the 147-pound division and probably the number one guy in all of boxing. We'll talk about that later in the show as well. On this show... We discuss all things Spence Crawford, Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com. He joins me, Jamel Herring, former 130-pound champion, former stablemate of Terrence Crawford, former Olympic teammate of Errol Spence. We talk about everything that happened in the fight, from Crawford's performance to what Errol Spence should do next. Says he wants a rematch, but should he want a rematch We dive into all that and much more. A little bit later on, Oscar Valdez, the former two-division world champion. He is back on August 12th, taking on Emmanuel Navarrete for the WBO Super Featherweight Championship. I talked to Valdez about bouncing back from his first loss to Shakur Stevenson, some of the changes he made going into this Navarrete fight and what it would mean for him to get that world title back. So stick around. Great conversation with Oscar Valdez. But first up, Jake Donovan and Jamel Herring join me on the show. All right, Jake Donovan is here, BoxingScene.com. Jamel Herring here as well, former 130-pound title holder, perhaps future 130-pound title holder. Jamel, uh, haven't talked to you since <laughs> you uh, announced plans for a comeback. What What is the latest on that?
3: Um, the latest on that, um, after speaking with my team, Jerry Cassares and Lou Bella. as of yesterday. Um, they're looking at it on October 19th because the event is, uh, is basically um, dealing with West Point, West Point um, Army, Army veterans and, and so on up, up north in New York. And they want to get together for a special event. So it, basically the, the way is them getting everything together, especially to do something for veterans, and honor for veterans. And, and it's also going to be um, a charity event as well. So you know we're trying to get the pieces for that together. I know as of yesterday they threw out potentially October nineteenth, which should be a Thursday, um, a Thursday night or so. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll be the main event in that one, but I just well, I just want to just basically get back and just get the ring rust off as soon as possible because after especially after watching you know this weekend's big 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 main event, the ring rust I, I was not, well I don't think it was, was the, the like an excuse or anything, but like it shows that the long legs do not do us any any justice in terms of being a, being a professional boxer. So with that being said, you know, I just want to get the ring rest off as soon as possible and then potentially go into a matchup against Joe Cardina out in the U.K.
4: All right, Jake, so if you if you use any of that, make sure you're crediting Boxing with Chris Mann <laughs> for that information all right, over at BoxingSteam.com. Um, all right, well, good luck with that, Jamel. We look forward to you coming Thank back you. Thank you. Uh, into the ring uh, in October. All right, this past weekend, we had an incredible event. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, 147-pound supremacy, and this was just a, a dominant, nearly start-to-finish performance by Terrence Crawford. Knocks Errol Spence down three times, gets a stoppage, In the ninth round, a reasonable stoppage, I thought, by referee Harvey Dock uh, in that moment. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Um, You know, picking Crawford to win, not a bold pick prediction by anybody because Crawford was a slight favorite. Picking him to dominate or believing he was going to dominate, I'm not sure anybody really believed that. What did you make of what you saw from Terrence Crawford last (laughs) Saturday?
5: So this was actually a rare fight, especially a big fight, where I got the exact outcome right. I didn't get the how right. I thought it was going to be competitive. At some point, Bud would take over and then kind of do what he did in the end. I did not expect him to do that pretty much from round two. Because round one, he did, you know, he always kind of gives away the first couple rounds. This one, he started a lot earlier than expected. And Errol just never really had a chance to get going. So God bless Errol. I mean, he was all heart right until the bitter end. If you told him, you know, you're going to go three more rounds, he would have went three more rounds. But... But just completely beat the fight. He was prepared for this moment for as long as he wanted this fight. And um, I, in my prediction, I even said that once upon a time, when these two guys, when they first met back at the, was it, the Chesapeake Arena or whatever in, the, in Oklahoma City, at that time, I said, you know what, I love this fight for Errol. In 2019, prior to his accident, I, I kind of favored Errol, not heavily, As time went on, I said, the the longer it took, the the greater uh, Bud's chances. You know, he just lived that, you know, that cleaner lifestyle, just unaffected. Obviously, you know, Errol had to come back from the car crash, detached retina, just everything else he's had to overcome in life. Bud has been ready for this moment, and and he was ready for that night. Um, It it was a shame that, uh, from Errol's perspective, it was a shame the fight played out the way it did, because I was like, this was my favorite promotion. Those two guys handled every aspect of it so responsibly. You know, they talked their junk as they should. You know, they're both very proud men. But I, I thought they just knew what the event represented and they, they could not have handled themselves at more class. Every super fight really needs to take notes from how Errol and Bud conducted themselves throughout this promotion. Uh, Jamel, you are a
4: former stablemate of Terrence Crawford in Omaha. You're a former Olympic teammate of Errol Spence. Did, did you think this fight was going to play out in such a one-sided manner?
3: No, I, I'm actually on par with, um, with Jake. I thought it was going to be one of those things, um, especially like Jake pointed out, as time went on, I felt that Errol probably been in the weight class a little too longer to, than, than he expected to be, and um, on the other hand, you know, Bud was getting better, you know, and growing and growing more into the, the, um, the weight class. I thought, I thought, if anything, because we all know Bud could be a slow starter. I thought it, he would take over from maybe round four and five and up, and then a stoppage would come at round eleven. But I, I again, like Jake pointed out, I didn't think from round two onward that he would be not not not. Not just not a competitive major, but it, it was just one-sided domination from from there on out. I mean, the, um, the jab that put down EJ in, in the second round, um, EJ, you know, Arrow coming with a big shot, but still getting put down with, off the counter from, from Bud Crawford um, twice and twice, I believe in the seventh round or so. And then after that, I took the eighth round off, but still won it. And then the ninth round, we've seen what happened.
4: You know, Jamel, Jake mentioned something about the lifestyle that Bud Crawford leads, and yeah. people bring this up a lot, the, the clean life, you know, just living, eating, drinking, boxing, not having the vices that some other fighters had, uh, including Errol Spence, who, who look, we, we've seen him, he works hard, he plays hard. Like, that's right. that's the lifestyle yeah. he's chosen. Uh, you know, how much do you think that factored into specifically when it comes to Bud and the fact that he is all about boxing all the time?
3: I mean, I, I think that factors in a lot. Um, like I said, it, it's for most fighters, it's more about what you do when the cameras aren't on you. as, as we say at times, um, it's all about like I said. Like I always say, boxing is a lifestyle, and it really is. You it, know, it's not just about yeah. You you can work as hard as you want in the gym. You can put as many hours you in, but if you're not taking care of your body, more importantly uh, on the outside, it can play an effect. Because let's be honest, um, even even after during the mock weigh-in, I kind of looked at Errol and looked at his face, and it seemed like he didn't like rehydrate at all, or you know, really put as much the weight you know it just, he just he still like like a man that was really going into a first wing and, and didn't have a chance- you know and it, that's been cutting weight all week in terms of um when you've seen bud crawford when he got when he got on the stage you guys seen he was dancing having fun with the crowd and you know he, he was enjoying the, the moment so it, when i started seeing that I was, I was like okay so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a big difference tomorrow night because if you could just look at the energy within both fighters and, and really can tell that um that Bud was really, you know, he was there for business and he felt good and he looked good. Jake, you mentioned
4: what Jamel, or what, uh, sorry, Errol was before the car accident. And he had two fights after the accident, both pretty high-level wins. He beat Danny Garcia, he beat Jordina Ugas, the latter, by knockout, We picked up a third piece of that title. And Ugas was coming off a career-best win uh, over Manny Pacquiao. Uh, yeah, but coming in, did you think that Errol was a different fighter than the guy we saw, you know, prior to that accident.
5: You know, I, I'm going to be honest. The way he beat Ugas really restored my hope. It's like, you know what? This guy is the best wit in the world, but it has to beat him to prove that he's the best. That really, I said, you know, I, I felt like he was all the way back at that point. That long layoff, it didn't help. He made that choice. So it's like, and look, Errol put it out there himself. I don't make any excuses. You know, right. he lost the fight. He doesn't want anyone sympathizing for him. So I'm not going to make those excuses for him. I do have to wonder if he took that Keith Thurman fight, even at a higher weight, you know, like just to, you know, not only shake off that ring Ross, but he's not cutting weight. Maybe a healthier version that fights him in February, then gets this fight in July. Maybe we get a different result. But again, he's the one who said no excuses. So I'm not making it for him. But I am a little bit curious to see what happens at 154. But um, like I said, I just don't know. Like I said, when he fought Ugas, I thought it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. I still favored Bud, but. He looked a lot better than he did against Danny Garcia, you know, and for good reason. It's like, you know, one situation, he overcame a, you know, life-threatening car crash. The other, he overcame, you know, boxers have overcome, not minimizing it, but they have overcome detached retinas before. So, you know, Errol is among that class. So, um, like I said, last year, I was like, okay, Errol's all the way back. If they fought last November, it probably would have been a much different fight than it was in July. But again, the choices were made as to how we got here. You know, Bud chose to fight David Avanissian to stay a little bit sharp, at least, and, you know, not have that, you know, extensive layoff. Errol chose that. Jamel, do
4: you, do you agree with that, that if the fight happened, you know, six months, seven months before, maybe we would have had a different outcome? I just watched that fight, and yeah, we can talk about dare, the weight and, and Spence being drained, and we can talk about uh, Crawford maybe being a little bit sharper because he did have that fight in the fall of last year against David Avenissian, but... Man, I, I watched Crawford and there was, even though he lost that first round, he always loses the first round because he kind of just yeah. downloads that information tries to figure out what is, the guys are going to do when they're going up against him. I just, Crawford didn't look like he was breaking a sweat at any point. I mean, most of the highlights I've seen on social media are like if Crawford, yo, know, yapping at Jermell Charlo in the crowd, right. you know, after, after putting, you know, Spence down. I just don't know. It just feels like as excellent a fighter as I'm sure Errol Spence is, Crawford might just not, might be on another level.
3: It yeah. is, and 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 he is though, Chris. Um, I think even even if so, the fight played out earlier, or if EJ had a tune up in between, it just you could you could clearly see the difference in skill level and skill set, and the things that um that Bud was doing in there was a, just a different level. Like he would just he was just sharp. Whether he, if he had a tune up or not, I think I, th- I just think that he, he's just a better fighter than um Errol Spence, and it's not a, it's not saying that Errol Spence isn't great himself. That but you know in every era we always get that that generational type of fighter and you know bud is just that guy like he's just on that elite status where now he's being talked about amongst the greats from the 80s and, and so on so you know er- errol spence i, I believe he, he can come back um he can do things that maybe at 154 pounds but again i don't i don't care to see the rematch honestly um i think i think we i think we've seen a pretty much enough just from um saturday night if anything, I would, I would rather focus on September 30th and seeing how Jamel Charlo and Canelo play out because I think in that in, in that fight you'll probably get a greater picture in terms of um, Bud's next opponent. And I would definitely love to see Jamel Charlo come back down to 154 pounds and defend his undisputed title against a guy like Terence Crawford.
4: You know, you you um, I was watching a clip of Shakur Stevenson recently, and Shakur was talking about the first time he sparred with Bud Crawford and. He that was the only time he ever got the crap kicked out of him in the ring. That was the first time you realized there were levels to this game. Yeah. Um uh, you've sparred with Crawford. Like do, do you have a similar, you know, story or a similar experience oh, yeah. of oh,
3: yeah. I mean, kind of seeing I, mean, it? I remember um I was brought into the Crawford camp for the um in the Indongo fight when he was going when he was um, going up undisputed on at 140 pounds. And I never forget the first sparring session. I got the ring and it was another sparring partner, um, Jamonte Clark at the time, was also with me in that camp. And we were just like, this guy, this guy is not real. Like, there's no, like, he, like, cause it, it, it was the same thing in sparring. I'm thinking, like, okay, the first round, he comes out slow, or whatever. So I'm thinking, okay, it's just going to be just, you know, we're just working on things. And the second round, gets some instructions. And it was just a whole different, it was just a whole different animal. And I'm like, man, this guy is incredible.
4: Jake, um, there is, a, a rematch clause that Spence says he is ready to exercise. He wants the fight to be at 154. Uh, Crawford can you know, obviously influence that, but Crawford seemed to be fine with the fight taking place at 154. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised to hear Spence say, I want the rematch right after a fight like that. But, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks go by. Do you think he's going to take it? I mean, we're, he's talking before the end of the year. It's August 1st. Uh, you know, we're, that's right around the corner. That seems like a pretty quick turnaround to come back uh, against a fighter like this after taking a beating like that?
5: You know, it's easy for me to sit here in my air-conditioned office and say, you know what, (laughs) Errol, just chill, count his money, rest and reload. You know, I I think, you know, Jamel was, you know, he blessed me enough to write a story saying he was uh, coming back. The first question I got asked, why is 37-year-old Jamel Herring coming back? I said, because he knows his body best. He knows that he's ready. Errol Spence knows himself better than the rest of us. He needs his team maybe to, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't do this. I know we just came off a long layoff. He also took a vicious, vicious beating on Saturday night. I'm not going to say it was a career, you know, career ending beating like some are saying, but he can definitely, this is a point where he can use some rest, not another year, year yeah. and a half off, but people are already talking about he didn't look the same. Maybe there's some neurological damage. I don't know any of that. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if the people who are commenting on it are actually doctors, but now all of a sudden all of those concerns are at that. This guy doesn't look the same. That's a lot to consider to say, you know what? Let's rush this guy back in the ring five months from now. Just watching what he took on Saturday night, no, I would not want to see him come back that soon. I think he'd be doing himself a disservice. I know he's a proud man, but he's not a foolish man. So, you know, early next year, if you have to do the, you know, the rematch, do it. But like you said, Bud already said he's down for it. You know, he got the payday here. He's willing to fight him at 154. Who knows what happens September 30th? Maybe Jamel gives up a title and they're fighting for a belt at 154. So at that point, maybe it makes sense. I just don't see, like, for everything they did and, all, you know, this fight was, you know, far, had far greater you know, financial ceiling than it did a year ago. I just don't see how you match that coming back November, December based on what we just saw on July 29th.
4: Yeah, Jamel, uh, I just, I don't care if it takes place at 154. I don't think it changes anything. I don't. Right. I mean, I, I think Bud has the potential to be even stronger at 154. It's not easy it for is. him to make 147 <laughs> either. And he said as much after the fight. I just think it would be a, 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 it would be a money grab Errol Spence to to take that fight right away and a risky one at that, because I mean, that was a, that was as big a beating as we've seen Errol Spence ever take in the ring. The only yeah, time never. he's ever been down in the ring. So, I mean, I, I'd be, you know, like, like Jake said, like we're not doctors, but it sure looks like Errol Spence is a different fighter since the car accident. I, I you know, for me, it's, he sounds different than the guy that I've spoken to before the car mm-hmm. accident. I, I forget, you know, or, you know, take a rest for sure. But, if you got to come back at 154, ease your way back into it. You know, come back at 154 against one or two medium-level guys, and then look for the Crawford fight. Because the Crawford fight's always going to be there. There's always going to be interest in a rematch if both these guys are rising in the 154-pound division. But the idea of taking it right away—that that just seems crazy to me.
3: I don't think, and also I don't think anyone's looking at the. Um, let's be honest that the medical suspension that comes after a fight like that, yeah. the way the way cool. he took a beating like that, I don't think. I I just don't think, like, again, for health-wise, it's it's good. Like, Bud Croft is not good for your health. Let's be honest. He's just not good for your health. And Bud has said it (laughs) thousands of times. Like, every time I fight a guy, you know, they're not the same. And this could be one of those, like, cases that that his words are true. And I just don't – like, Alex. I love Errol. He's a a good friend of mine. Great guy. But I don't think it's necessary to jump, you know, right back into the fire that quickly. Maybe, you know, again, take some time off, come back, and – in the new year, and potentially get someone else to get you, like, again, get accustomed with the new weight class, but jumping back to a Bud Crawford fight, it doesn't do, it doesn't change anything, because, again, like, you guys pointed out, Bud is going to be just as strong, if not stronger, at 154 pounds anyway.
4: Jake, it's been a long time since I've seen a fighter, like, do what Crawford did, where he knocks Spence down, and he turns to, Jermell Charlo in the crowd and says you're next like that in a fight of that level. Usually, you can see that in a lower level fight, but when you have, right. you know, arguably the best opponent of your career in front of you, you're turning to his stablemate in the crowd, going, "I'm coming for you next." I mean, what did you make of that?
5: Yeah, I was going to say earlier in the week, Enoa welcomed Marlon Topolis in the ring, but wasn't even that brazen about. He knew, he's like, yeah, you know what, let's do this fight later this year. But he, yeah, it wasn't like the moment he knocked down Stephen Fulton, he said, you know, called him out the way. But Bud, like I said, he knew what he was walking into really from the moment he got this fight. Moment, you know, Errol finally, as he put it, gave in and, you know, gave it Bud his last demand. Bud knew, you know, everything he wanted from there on out. And the more Jamel talked, the more he's going to say, yep, I want that fight. When this fight wasn't going to happen, he was prepared to fight Jamel Charlo. So I, I definitely believe Bud sees that in his future. And, like they're stablemates. If Errol can't do it, just let go Jamel. Look, Jamel's fighting Canelo because you know he said you know his brother's not in the place to go fight him. So w- regardless of what happens to him thirty, he can go do the same with Bud next year. I always had a theory with Errol that I, this is when I thought they weren't going to fight. That right. one of them, it, whether Maul, Mel, or Errol, would move up in weight and then the rest would follow, and that Errol would fight someone like a Bakram Murtazalia for you know one of the if, if Jamel would to give up a title. I, I would like to see that. And Jamel fight uh Terrence for next year. That that's the path I would really like to see. Can, can, can but again, we, I, I just I love add, the fact that Bud, can, you know, Bud wants the absolute best. He doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't want a vacant belt. He beat the best at 147. Now he wants to go straight to 154. And this will be the fourth <laughs> division where he'll have be beaten the best guy to to win a world championship.
4: I would be willing to bet real money, Jamel, that uh We'd never see Bud Crawford, Jamel Charlo, in part because I think Canelo's about to end Jamel Charlo. I do. I think. I, I do. I think he's going to end him. Like I, I think. I hope he
3: does it. Please, Canelo, please don't.
4: I'm just saying. uh, Like I think he's going to finish him off. Like, look, Jamel Charlo was you know life and death in two fights with Brian Castaño. Like, what's he going to do with Canelo Alvarez in front of him? Who. Canelo, his demise, I think, has been greatly exaggerated, right? Like, he's not the same guy he was three years ago, but he's still a top-five for fighter. He's still Canelo. And jumping up two weight classes to fight a guy who is unquestionably the top dog at 168, that's not going to go well for Jermell Charlo. And Jermel this or last week, he's like, I'll come back down. Roy Jones did it. That's not the best example, right? No, Roy no, Jones no, did no, it no, and then no. failed at it. Roy Jones went from heavyweight to light heavyweight. <laughs> And, that and, one. and it was that a disaster. One. Got knocked out by Antonio Tarver. Like, that's... Why are you using that as an example? I don't know. I, I'd love to see... Don't and, and we know Johnson. Be, <laughs> don't yeah. big Glenn Johnson. Big either. Glenn Johnson. I love Glenn Johnson. <laughs> it just, it did, the point is, it didn't work out for, yeah, for Roy did. Jones. And I don't think it's going to work out for Jermell Charlo. I think it's going to be a rough night for Jermell Charlo in the ring against Canelo Alvarez. And maybe he comes back down, but it's probably only going to be to like to 160 because he's not going to come back as... The undisputed champion, because we know the second that first bell rings, Jermel Charlo is going to get stripped of his WBO title. So it's it's right. that Tim Zoo is going to get elevated to that top spot. I, I just, I, Jamel, I don't think it's happening. I don't think we're going to see. So, 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 so wait, over. wait. So we we, we
3: could put, we, we could possibly see a Zoo and Crawford fight though, because you know you know that you know, but if he if he hands in that, that his welterweight title WBO, he's on boom automatic mandatory. So I, I mean that's a good fight to see as well. I, I think it's fight. a good it's a good
4: fight. And I, I guess that's my next question. Like for Bud Crawford, if, if Spence passes on the rematch, where do you go? What's the best fight for you? Obviously, Jamel's is going to be off the table. If he fights in September, right. he's probably not going to fight again anywhere until the middle of next year at the earliest, maybe longer given some of the layoffs that he's had as <laughs> of late. Um, but I don't know. You know, you could go up to 154. You could start the process of fighting for junior middleweight titles. Tim Zoo is a semi-marketable fight. There's also Boots Ennis at 147, and there's going to be probably more interest in the U.S. in a Crawford Boots Ennis fight than there is right. a Crawford Tim Zoo fight. I mean, what's the best option do you think for Bud Crawford?
3: I look at I look at it. Um, I look at it like this: it'll basically be a replay of um, when Crawford moved up to 47 and going to Australia again, well, fighting an Australian. <laughs> for the for the WBO welterweight title, I can I can see him doing the same thing, fighting another Australian for the WBO, you know, junior middleweight title. But of course, yeah, on, on this side of the pond um, of, of the world atmosphere, of course, Boots Ennis is the guy that did, you know the, the next one up. You know, the next one up. But again, um, a, a, a guy like Charles Crawford, just experience alone, you know, when wins that matchup alone, let alone, you know, when it, Bud steps up went to the competition level. So, you know, if he, if he feels like you're a threat oh, he's, he's going to step up to the plate, he's, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to put his, um, this full arsenal on the table and go to work. But again, I don't like marketable wise in, term, well, in terms of legacy wise, the fight doesn't do anything for, for Bud now because again, Boots still is, you know, he's still developing and growing, growing in his own right. But, uh, you know, a guy like Zoo, at least, you know, the name alone, you know, the name alone carries a lot. So, I can see that matchup going down down 154 pounds in the future as well.
4: Jake, what do you think is the most? What makes the most business sense for Crawford? You know, whether it's Boots Tim Zou, somebody else. What do you think makes the most business sense right now?
5: I mean, if he sits it out, sits it out and waits, then a Spence rematch would probably be the most financial. You know, the, the greatest financial uh, windfall for him. It's again, none of us. I think we all agree. None of us really want to see that fight next. For me. I, I felt like before Bud said that he was willing to move up to 154 to fight Spence, uh, I felt like the best case scenario played out because if Arrow won, Bud would have exercised the rematch clause. Arrow would have said it's 154, the 147 pound division's on hold. Bud won. He's the undisputed champ. To my knowledge, he can make 147 at least one more fight. Get that division going. Now, look, I'm not saying I love a Bud-Keith Thurman fight, but I would much rather see Keith Thurman fight Terrence Crawford than Clarissa Shields. <laughs> I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, Keith Thurman is now a guy who has fought once since the pandemic. Yeah, he like the guy last r- It's the same thing over and over. Right. Amante Stanionis had waited out Virgil Ortiz. He hasn't fought since last April. So obviously I want to see him get back in the ring. But has good options at 147. I don't know if any of them are blockbuster events. He becomes the guy that elevates them more so than, you know, those right. guys raising his um his rating. uh rating. but I mean, obviously the boots fight is the sexiest of the three showtime is you know heavily invested in boots so you know maybe they can make that worth bud's while i don't think he's particularly scared to fight anyone 147 or 154 but just for the sake of keeping the line moving i would like to see at least one of those mandatory satisfied i i've I just got this thing with guys being elevated without having to fight for the title i want to see at least one of them try to fight and beat terrence crawford to, to become champ
4: there was somebody put out a tweet. Um, where Keith Thurman spent the week calling out fighters, and the only one to call him out was Clarissa Shields. Like that, Brian Blake, that that, that yeah. that's how successful uh, Keith Thurman was with his his calls. He's become like a WWE character. He's using himself as yeah, third Keith, person. Yeah. But he, but it's it's kind of getting a little bit old because he won't fight. Like he just won't get yeah. back in the ring against anybody. He's had such a long layoff that he almost forgot the days of when he was beating Sean Porter and beating Danny Garcia. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Dude, let me ask you this, uh, Jake: Is do we know what the order is for mandatories with, with Bud now that he's got all four belts? Like, who's first up? You know, who, Paper- is there going to be someone he has to make a decision on
5: sooner rather than later? Paperwork-wise, I am almost <laughs> positive Stanionis is the next in line. He was supposed to fight, you know, um, Ugas, if I'm not mistaken. And then the WBA said, "No, what, we're going to let Ugas fight Errol Spence. You're on the undercard. You, well, actually, Utaev was the, whatever, regular champ. So Stanionis got to fight him. He was supposed to fight the winner of Spence, Ugas. That was the agreement, that if Spence didn't go fight... Terrence Crawford, he was supposed to be the mandatory. The WBA had that on the table until they decided, okay, well, now you're going to fight Virgil Ortiz. We know what happened. You and I were there in San Antonio to watch that fight fall Ooh. apart. And now the uh, WBA said Virgil Ortiz is out the way. Stan Yonis doesn't have a mandatory. Therefore, he should be next to fight for that super championship. I have a feeling he's going to be the guy that's going to be elevated. Um, ironically, if Terrence Crawford was still a top rank, that's probably the type of fight that they would give him is like the the least marketable option and and, and the toughest option because Danny onis is hell for anyone um but yeah like I said to my knowledge he's next and then um I think Spence the only mandatory he made was Danny Garcia that was for the WBC so that would actually put Keith Thurman last but again the WBC you know they tried to order that fight and the agreement was they were going to fight above the weight so but um I I believe it's Danny onis Thurman boots
4: D- Jamel, mm-hmm. do you think any of those fights would interest Crawford? I mean, he is 35 years old, so the clock's ticking on his career. Do you think any of those fights would? I think
3: would. I think the only one that interests that, that would, honestly, from me knowing him, probably be the um the boots, dry in this fight because the simple fact that everyone keeps putting you know boots on a on a high pedestal for for his um you know for what he does and his skill level. So I think if anything, like like again with the with the arrow Spence like Bud is this type of guy who likes to prove people wrong, so he'll he'll take on. The challenges that people feel that have a threat a threat in there with him. So, I, if anything, I, I think the boost in this fight will, 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 out of those three would be the one that gets him you know motivated to get back in the gym. Like you guys pointed out with Keith Thurman, he hasn't fought in so long, and um you know again standing only in this fight that 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 doesn't do much for um in terms in terms of um you know just in terms of more, you know motivating a guy like Bud because he's not a bad right. fighter, but again he, he's, he's he's very he's pretty much still unknown. At least, on, at least on this side of the world.
2: Yeah, I, think.
5: I do wonder, I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump in. I want to say this. I do wonder if Bud would love to beat up a Cameron Duncan fighter or not want to give a Cameron Duncan fighter <laughs> any business. That's, that's, that's yeah. a good point.
4: That's a good point. I think he'd love to beat him up, frankly. That's what I, I, think, look, I think. I think, I think both, Boots yeah. is an excellent fighter, but mm-hmm. I mean, after watching what Bud did to Spence, are, are we yep. making Boots, was he, three to one underdog, four to one underdog in a fight like yep. that? You know, and, and he's still in his prime, Terrence Crawford. And, uh, you know, I'd want to see it, but I wouldn't give Boots that much of a chance to win it, as good as he is, because Crawford is sure. just on that next level. Uh, so the pound-for-pound pound debate. We had two great fights last week. In a way, dominates, knocks out Stephen Fulton. Then we had Crawford dominates, knocks out Errol Spence. Uh, on my pound-for-pound, pound, it was pretty easy for me. Uh, I-, I thought Crawford needed to do to Spence what In a way did to Fulton to solidify his, st- his uh, spot at the top he did that. And then some dominated, yeah. knocked out a fellow top five pound for pound. So for me, Jake Crawford, won in a way to what do you have on your pound for pound list?
5: You know, Cliff just asked us to submit the boxing scene list and I put in Crawford and then a lot of spaces for a number three. So that, that I think that part is obvious. I, I personally have in a way still, I've always had in ahead. Look, Terrence, I, and I even said, I, you know, Terrence Crawford needed to do what he did to make that number one claim. Nobody expected it. So for that reason, he probably should deserve number one. I certainly wouldn't argue, and I expect you know pushback if I tell people, "Well, Inoa should be ahead of Crawford." So I'm perfectly fine with Terence Crawford one and way two. All
3: right, Jamel, what do you say? Um, I'll I go with um Bud. You know, Bud would be number one, but uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, um both of them have both of them overall have a great body of work from just the divisions that the, from the past that they did conquered. So, uh, but again, when you look at the matchup between you know. Basically two guys on a pound pound list, you I, you, you sometimes you got you gotta go with that matchup as, you know, that's the one that's gonna determine who's the best. And like like you guys both pointed out, we all had a feeling that, that Bud, you know, Bud will win it, but just the way he did it and the way he in dominated fashion against another great champion who held, you know, who who held most of the, the titles in the, the division. So I'll go with Bud Crawford as number one. But um um in a way, he's not too far behind. Not too far behind at all. He's probably one A, one A, one B.
4: Yeah. yeah, and I, I would say like there's there's definitely distance between two and three, but I think it's a shorter distance in my mind because I think Usyk's right there at number three. We kind of forget a little bit of what he accomplished over the last five years because he's been off yeah. for, for a period of time now. But after that, it's there, there's a gap. There's a gap. Those yeah. three guys are at the top, and it's, uh, it's pretty clear. Um, last thing I want to talk to you guys about, from Crawford Spence to Paul Diaz. This weekend, <laughs> we've got Jake Paul dipping his uh, big right hand back into the MMA ranks to take on Nate Diaz uh, in a uh, boxing match. Uh, Jake, what do you make of Jake Paul, you know, after fighting Tommy Fury, uh, not really pushing for an immediate rematch, but (laughs) going back to the well of these former MMA guys uh, who are popular, but maybe not on his level?
5: You know, um, I can't remember who brought this up, and I I hate it because I do like to give people that credit. But if people it seems like jake paul like his marketability kind of dipped a little bit because he was trying too hard to prove that he is a real boxer he puts in the work everyone that trains with him says mm-hmm. his work ethic is off the chart he doesn't have to prove himself to anyone so i i'm perfectly fine with him going right back into this world i hope it somehow ends with him in ksi i, I mean i personally don't care if the fight ever happens but if he's going to stay in this world that seems like the natural portion of uh, progression i'm perfectly fine with him taking this fight it's not going to really prove anything i mean nate diaz i you know when you talk to him it's like how is this guy licensed you know but i guess it's just <laughs> told. i i i don't know what to expect but you know look this is the fight that mma you know i guess to a lesser degree boxing always won, and so i'm fine with it i'm not sure i'm fine with it after you know you know people could complain all they want about the 85 dollars price tag that fight warranted you know that was a super fight that warranted premium it just feels weird paying 55 bucks for the fight this weekend after watching you know an event like that but you know here we are so um I, with jake paul the thing i appreciate too look i'm very friendly with the man serrano and her camp my wife is actually friendly with the man serrano so you know i'm happy to see her you know continue to get her shine she daisy green is on the card she's going to make her case for wanting to fight savannah marshall so those are the things i'm getting out of the show that you know jake paul is kind of bringing everyone else along for the ride so I, I think it should be fun those guys will you know anything you expect to go right or wrong during you know fight week probably will happen wednesday thursday so that's oh, yeah. that's what you get out of Jake Paul. That puts him right back in his wheelhouse.
4: It's <laughs> it, Yeah, wheelhouse, Jamel, is the right word. I mean, this is exactly where Jake Paul needs to be. I uh, will give right. him credit for jumping up and fighting Tommy Fury, who's not, you know, Tommy Fury's not winning any world titles either th- in his career, but he's much more of a quote-unquote boxer than right. Jake Paul is, and it was right. a reasonably close fight, or a per- uh, uh, the right outcome of that fight, but a reasonably close fight. But this is kind of exactly where Jake Paul needs to be as the antagonist against these former UFC guys, these MMA fighters. Uh, I mean, Nate Diaz, incredibly successful UFC career. I give him almost no chance to win this fight. No chance whatsoever. I mean, Nate Diaz is a guy that I think he campaigned, what, like 155, 160, that kind of range. He's going to fight Jake Paul at like 185. He's going to come up 30 pounds in a sport he's never, you know, He's never been in before. I mean, you know, Andre Ward is out there, you know, backstopping him a little bit, you know, giving him some credit as a boxer because of their time sparring together. But say what you want about Jake. He's got power. He's got a big right hand. And at some point during this fight, fourth, fifth, sixth round, he's going to land that big right hand. And we've seen, you know, I've watched some Nate Diaz fights in the past. When he gets hit by these right hands, he goes down. A lot of times he gets back up, but when he gets hit by a power puncher, like Jake Paul, even a rudimentary one, uh, I think he's gonna have a lot of problems in this fight. I think Jake Paul is gonna win this fight by some kind of violent knockout.
3: No, I, I I agree with you guys both again, but I'm gonna go for like what Jake was saying. I'm more I'm more um, you know, more respectful towards Jake in terms of what he what he's doing for the real fighters on the card. Like you know, he's giving he's giving fighters like a man of Serrano their, their biggest paydays, if you may say so, and things like that. So you know, I credit to, I credit to him for at least giving back to to the um the real ones of the sport of boxing, but. I'm with, I'm with you though, Chris. I, I, I don't really care for the main event. Don't care to um the buy, buy the event. Honestly, I, especially after coming off for a weekend like we did just now, and again, yeah, it's probably going to end up with another um high, a Jake Paul highlight knockout in some way if somebody probably falling on their face.
4: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> uh, look. I like Amanda Serrano getting back into the ring. I'm not so sure about Amanda Serrano Heather Hardy, though. I don't, I was at that first fight, and if that fight yeah. had gone in the first round two minutes and five seconds, uh, Heather Hardy yeah. would have been knocked out. That that fight was was over. She's a little bit older. She's been a lot more inactive than Amanda Serrano. Shadesha Green is someone I am interested in seeing because I think she's yes. the first... She's probably the first real threat, threat. at 160 or <laughs> 168 to Claressa Shields, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for... Uh, you know, real opponents for the Caressa. If she win this fight, you know, maybe she gets uh, shot at the winner of Claressa against Savannah Marshall uh, part two. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I just, you know, Jake, when it comes to Jake Paul, like, I I think he should just stay in this lane as long as he can. Now, at some point, he's going to run out of UFC guys. Like at some point, these guys <laughs> that exit UFC are are not going to be available to him. But could I see like Conor McGregor trying to force a fight against Jake Paul if Jake beats Nate Diaz? Yeah, yeah, I could see that because yeah. Conor McGregor is going to see dollar signs, He's going to see opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's it's just going to be his best chance to make a big, a quick buck at the end of his career.
3: Yeah, no, that's
5: the perfect example too because Jake he knows his audience. His audience is it's the UFC crowd that wants to see these guys. One of them finally try to pick him off. I don't think any of them are. Tyron Woodley. I guess he kind of came close. I thought Jake Paul, you know, deserved to win the first fight. I thought too much was made of that decision, but, you know, he smoked him in the rematch. You know, that that one right hand just ended the fight. So, and he's going to do that to the rest of the crowd, and especially as Conor McGregor gets older, is out of the ring, you know, whatever drug testing you want to bring in or whatever. I know that's a big thing with him (laughs) trying to come back to the UFC. So, that's, yeah, that that would be a huge, you know, uh, pot of gold at the end of that rainbow if we don't get KSI. I'm sure that's a much more lucrative fight. So, I, I could definitely see. Jake Paul going that, right? I, I really can't. I don't follow UFC enough. I don't know who else would be relevant enough. I could think of other names. None of those guys are even at that weight. So, yeah, he is he is getting uh, close to the end. But he also said he's the guy that said he wants to get to, what, 10 and nine, Well, I guess now 10 and 1, 11 and 1, and then he wants to, whatever, play football, play basketball, do all these other things. So, you know, maybe there is a finish line for him, and it is coming up in the next year or two.
4: Oh, these are – the people buying Jake Paul against Nate Diaz are the UFC fans. Like, it's not so much yes, the boxing fans so. that are buying it. It's UFC fans who, even after watching him beat up on Ben Askren, knock out Tyron Woodley, beat Anderson Silva, they still believe. The same ones that believe Conor McGregor was going to beat Floyd, they still believe. And Nate Diaz <laughs> is still wildly popular amongst UFC fans. And they're going to be the ones that are buying, plunking down that cash, filling up American Airlines Center. It's going to be an event. Like, it's, it's going to be a good scene you know, down in Dallas this weekend, maybe not as great or as electric as Crawford Spence, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they sold out down there. You know, come mm-hmm. fight night, and uh, it, it it's going to be a crowd. Uh, and, and yeah, KSI is probably the next guy on that hit list if KSI can find a way to beat Tommy Fury, and who knows, who knows how that one's going to go when that happens in all a right. couple of months. But if that if that goes that way, uh, yeah, I can see Jake Paul KSI, which is like a family affair now because Logan's partners with KSI, and it's all right. just some weird. It's <laughs> going to be a social media extravaganza uh that's for sure so i've officially got jake paul by knockout in that fight i think it happens midway through the fight for jake paul all right check out jake donovan's stuff on boxing scene.com you can check him out all week long over there check out jamel in training camp for his fight yeah. coming up hopefully sometime in october so shout out to, to my guy hands. shout out to
3: my guy wayne mccullough man. I'll, I'll see you soon wayne, <laughs> wayne mccullough <laughs> okay, going to my... vegas right yes going yes. to vegas Yes, yes, yeah. I'll be there. I, I'm trying. I, I, I want to get there. Honestly, um, end of this week or sometime next week, but I definitely got to get there soon because I definitely want to. Um, I'm definitely gonna be using the UFC PI, you know, for my strength and conditioning. You know, just to get my put my muscle back on and think, and do what I got to do from there. But definitely looking forward to it.
4: Remember that, Jake. Boxing with Chris Mannix, according to Jamel. Yes, boxing
5: I love uh, that to, union. This is now two of my all-time favorite boxers. That now training. <laughs> I loved Wayne McCullough back in the day. Yeah,
4: yeah. Wayne's yeah. a good guy. Good guy, good guy. Well, good luck, Jamel. Jake, good to talk to you. Always appreciate Thank it. You. And when we come back, my conversation with
0: Oscar Valdez. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
6: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, Oscar Valdez is a former two-division world champion. He will look to become a three-time World champion on Saturday when he takes on Emmanuel Navarrete, that's a fight you could watch on ESPN. Oscar, so in 2021 you picked up 130 pound title. 22, you lost it. What's the goal now for you in
7: 2023? So my main goal right now is to come back, come back where I left where I left off. You know, against you know I was a world champion like you said from 2021 to 2022. I lost against your and so right now my main goal is to. Get those titles back. You know, I miss being, I miss being called a champion. I miss feeling like a champion. And, and this is my, this is my perfect opportunity, a perfect chance to, to get it back. And what better way against the tough fighter of, against, uh, against a good fighter like Vaquero Navarrete, two Mexican fighters who are going to fight to the hearts of, and, and we're going to give it our best. So I'm very excited for this fight and, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, you know, physically, mentally for this challenge.
4: How do you feel about fighting another Mexican?
7: I feel good. I feel good about that because uh, I feel, you know, so I grew up in the era of uh, watching Marco Barrera and Eric Morales. So I grew up watching those type of fighters that, 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 that give wars, to give tough fights, and give the fans what they want. So me going up against uh, somebody like Vaquero a Mexican who comes forward and doesn't give up. That's a perfect opportunity for me to to give the fans what they want. You know, people like to see they like to, they like to see knockdowns, they like to see blood, they like to see when fighters give it their all inside the ring. And I think this fight could be that case because of and have to start in my style. We're both fighters that we're not going to back down. We're not going to go you know try to unbox uh, our opponents. We're going to go there toe to toe and try to give the fans what they want.
4: Took that loss as you mentioned to Shakur Stevenson last year. uh, How difficult was that loss to get past?
7: It was difficult. It was very difficult because you know um, I've always considered myself a disciplined fighter uh, ever since I was in the amateurs to to this day, professional now. That I've been very f- focused on doing the right things, and you're used to you're used to that. That when you do everything right, you're disciplined in life, and you do the diet right, and you do your exercise right, and you wake up early in the morning. Life has taught me that everything should go 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 well, because that's what that's what the price is. And the fact that I did that for Shakur fight fighter, I did everything as I should have done. And having to lose against some world, well, the world fell on top of me because sometimes, sometimes it's just a, a hard pill to swallow and to accept the fact that the fighter you got in front of you is just simply better than you. And that was really very hard for me to to uh, accept that. Like I said, because I worked so hard for this, I wake up early in the mornings early. I stay on my diet, and even if I take vacations, I'm constantly in the gym. And knowing the fact that that wasn't enough to win this fight, well, it was very tough to 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 deal with. But you know what? You know, after after a week or two, of going through my own depression, you know, going back and forth, I should have done this, I should have done that. I just talked to myself and I said, you know what? Suck it up. You win some, you lose some, and you just got to get up from that and, and, and go on to the next step, you know, and that's in the boxing world, but that's also in life. You know, you might not always be successful one thing or one fight, that you get up, you focus, you go back to a drawing board, you try to be a better person or a better fighter, and that's what I'm trying to do in this case. You know, we're trying to make a statement that not – only because you lost a fight doesn't mean you're done in the in, in, in the boxing world because I felt that that was a that's been one of the fears of a lot of fighters not facing the best or against the best because we we're we we're scared of fight, losing that undefeated record because once you lose the undefeated record you're almost out people are, uh, don't consider you worthy enough to watch so I want to make that statement that not, just because you you have a loss in your career doesn't mean you can't do great things in boxing
4: now the biggest star. In the world is your stablemate and Canelo Alvarez, who can speak to that. You know, a couple losses on his resume hasn't diminished his uh, his popularity one bit. That's for sure. Um, On Shakur, there's a lot of people that think he's almost unbeatable at in these lower weight classes. Having shared the ring with them, uh, would you agree with that?
7: Well, I have this. I I, I personally think that no fighter out there is unbeatable. Every fighter out there is beatable. And I would include that to the great, you know, Floyd Mayweather. You know, a lot of people thought he lost against Jose uh, Luis Castillo. So it just shows that every fight out there is beatable. But me beating the ring with someone like Chris Stevenson, I can honestly say it's going to be very difficult to beat that guy because he's very, he's, um, his skills wise is just good and he's got great defense. His defense on point, and he's got a good ring IQ. And I can only talk from my experience that, Trying to land those shots against him is extremely hard. So he's a—I um, guess honestly—think that he's—he's going to be very hard to be someone like Stevens. So I can, yeah, I can easily see him becoming someone like like Floyd Mayweather on the on the long run. It all depends on if, and if he stays disciplined and if he stays constantly like he's been doing it so far. So you know, um, I do see greatness in him, and but I do see a lot of tough fighters right now. One thirty-five. There's a lot of good fighters, you know, especially with the that guy, Tank Davis, you know, Tank mm-hmm. Davis is a monster in that division. You know, it's just uh, including, you know, Vasily mashenko and, and uh, Devin Haney. And even the fighters who are not champions, you know, like, like Cambosos, you know, they're, they're all tough fighters in the 135. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting weight class. But talking from my experience, from me sharing the ring with someone like Chris Stevenson, I can honestly say that it's going to be very hard to beat someone like him.
4: So you're 32 years old. Um, how do you feel at 32? And have you had to make any kind of adjustments over these last couple of years as you've gotten a little bit older?
7: You know what? I feel great, man. I feel great. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to think that 30 was a you were old already. And I used to hear, you know, I used to look at my dad when he was 30, and I say, Man, you're you're old already. But on the contrary, right now, you know, I feel I feel physically, mentally good. You know, I haven't felt that that, you know, decline and where I feel physically, you know, where my, I feel my speed is there, my agility is there. I spar young fighters at their 20s, or you are know, Olympic fighters and fighters that are, that are 25s and and I'm still in there going, you know, in sparring sessions and I'm still outworking them and I'm still beating them to the punch. And that just shows me that, that I'm still there, you know. I, I, I can also say that I don't feel that I'm, I'm declining yet, You know, but I do want to take advantage of of whatever time I got left because I don't want that time to come anytime soon. I feel the thirties nowadays are not thirty from back in the days. Nowadays, you got doctors, you got you got a nutritionist, you got your strength and conditioning coach, so (laughs) that helps in longevity in your in your career as a professional athlete. So I do feel physically good. You know, uh, I feel I feel ready, but I know that I'm not getting any younger, so I got to take advantage of. Any, uh, all the time that I got. You know, I don't got no time to waste. I don't got time for no long vacations. I want to continue <laughs> working hard and do my best.
4: So I've been reading some strange ish comments from Navarrete stuff like, I- I'm not sure I can win this fight. Uh, I'm sure you've been told about this, read about it. Uh, how do you read that? How do you interpret that when you hear at least publicly words of doubt from your opponent?
7: Well, it could be a strategy game plan. So I don't really worry about, you know what? I, I mean, I don't listen to my opponent's saying. I've never done that. Like listen to the interviews. And I've actually heard this several times now to due to reporters. And it, um, the only thing that I can, I can um, comes to my mind, mind is don't believe that. Don't don't let that fool you because it could be a game plan. It Could be something that he's trying to, you know, push to your mind so I can get comfortable and then surprise. So right mm-hmm. now, you know, I, I'm I'm staying focused on what can I control in my in, in my in my uh, camp. You know we're doing a great job. Me and Eddie Reynoso, we know my team, I know my cousin, Bubba, We got the doctors. We we got everything. Camp has gone so good, so so well that I'm just excited to be back. Don't really pay much too much attention to what the odds are or to what Vaquero could possibly say because it doesn't. Because I've always heard opponents say that they're going to beat me, they're going to knock me out, they're going to do this they're gonna that. and that. Of course, you would expect a fighter to to say that. So, if I don't pay attention to what they said right there, I w- why would I pay attention to something that he's saying that he doesn't feel sure of winning? So, I'm just focused right now on, on winning the fight. You know, I don't take this fighter nothing nothing lightly. Like I've never taken any fighter lightly, including my last fight. A lot of people were calling it a tuna fight. For me, it was very strange because for me, it wasn't a tuna fight. For me, it was just a normal fight that I had to prepare myself because I know the fighter in front of me is going to train very hard to, to, to beat me. So... I wouldn't call it a tuna fight because I take all fights seriously, and especially this one who I got Vaquero Navarrete, who we've seen before. He gets, he does get sent to the camps. You could knock, knock him down, but you better be damn ready that he's going to get up and come for you since the first round to the 12th round. So I'm very focused on on, on the best version of, of uh, Vaquero Navarrete. If something happens, you know, the first round, a knockdown, well, that'll be great. You know, I get to go back home with my family, you know, but being more realistically, is a tough fighter. He will fight from, from the first round to the 12th round with his heart out. So I got to be focused at every moment with him.
4: Does it feel different being the challenger once again?
7: Yes, yes, but it's not, it only motivates me. It only motivates me because it brings me back to for the first time that I became a world champion in 2016. And we were fighting for the Baker World title at that time, but it feels something similar. It feels something similar because... I lost my title against Christina. So right now it's like, I'm not a champion. So I'm going up against the, 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 the challenge to to get my dream belt. So, you know, it it feels similar to that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, I can honestly say right now that I'm enjoying every single moment, every single day in camp, because I know this won't last forever. I know this won't last forever. and, 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 And I love the sport so much. That right now I'm just enjoying every single moment. I'm enjoying this right now that we're living right here. When I was asking these questions, and then and then going to the gym and then running and running in the woods, and <laughs> I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be here to have another world title shot. And people could expect that I'm I'm ready for this. That I'm ready to come back and come back strong and make that statement that I just said.
4: This this feels like it is a great stylistic matchup like you two guys matched up should make for great television. Like, would you agree with at least that
7: assessment? I, I definitely agree. I definitely <laughs> agree because of, uh, like his style. He might not be, he might not have the, the most beautiful style out there. You know, of course he looks a little weird sometimes when he throws shots, but it's mm-hmm. effective. It's effective and he's continuous. He continues throwing those shots and, he, and eventually it works. So, I've always characterized my style, my style, my my, my boxing style. Is I can box as well, but I can – one of my favorite things is to go in there and, and, and go toe-to-toe or land my biggest shot, my best shots, because I know that's what the fans like. You tell me, you know, sometimes you got a game plan, but then when you go in there, that game plan goes out the window because you hear the crowd yelling your name, you know. You hear the crowd hyping you up, and then you, you're landing your biggest shots, and then sometimes he you lands yours, and it's – like it's very exciting, I think it has a lot to do with the way I was brought up. You know, I was brought up, you know, watching those type of fighters that, that were warriors inside the ring. So, I've always dreamed of being somewhat similar to them. So, this is a perfect fight to do that.
4: Last thing for you is uh, as I mentioned, you are a stablemate of Canelo in that Eddie Renoso camp. Uh, a lot of people have suggested perhaps that Canelo's lost a step after that fight against John Ryder, people looking at him and saying, Oh, he's not the Canelo of old. Uh, what's your take on that on where Canelo is as a fighter?
7: You know, I think he's in a good spot. I mean, um, he doesn't need this. Obviously he doesn't need to be here. He, not, he has all the money in the world. He's he has a fame. He, he could become whatever he wants to do right now. He, we all know that he loves golf and he, uh, he continues to playing golf. <laughs> um, I think it's more to that the way he, to where he looked this last fight. I think it's the is uh, there's more to it than what it looks like. You know, on paper it looks like it wasn't his best fight. But if you look at the details of him of him um you know fighting in Guadalajara, having the pressure of having the having camp in Guadalajara, having everybody constantly bug him every single day, either maybe his, his friends or family or media. Having casually that he has to, he wants to play golf while he's training. Having the fact that in the fight he wants to knock out his opponent for the fans that everybody's there to watch him, and all that makes it a perfect combination for him not to look so well because when you're looking for that knockout shot, you, you're throwing those haymakers, and and people say, oh yeah, he gets tired after the fifth round. My take on that fight was that he was just trying to land those big shots for the fans to, to do to enjoy a knockout. So I don't see him declining because I, I constantly see him in the gym. He's he's a very disciplined fighter. He fights, he fought Saturday and Monday. He was back in the gym. And that just shows how disciplined he is. So I don't see him declining yet. You know, I still see him um uh, being up there with the elites of course he is a physical boxer. and he is up there but um if i could pinpoint something it would be only that he's so good that he plays golf the same time that, he, that he's training so <laughs> if he if, if he maybe slides down a little bit of a golf and focus more on training you're gonna see you guys are gonna see the same kind of those always and i've seen that right now he's um he's, he looks very focused when he wants he um he, he feels he's not done. He, he, he wants to show the world that he's still the face of boxing. And, and I believe him. I believe him because the only reason why is because I see it constantly in the gym, working out, the great sparring sessions. Physically, he looks strong in there. So, you know, I don't see him declining anytime soon. What's your golf game look like? Yeah, I, don't, I don't play golf. <laughs> I, so especially when I'm a camp man, my, my camps are very boring. I train and go back to sleep and to go back to do. <laughs> to train and go back. they very burn But his, his lifestyle is just crazy. He, mm. He's constantly doing things, doing things, doing things, playing golf with, with the family, the media, then boxing. So he has a crazy lifestyle.
4: No question. No question. Oscar, good to talk to you, man. Good luck on August 12th, uh, back of the world title picture. Uh, hope to see you in that, in a great fight there and many more to come, my man.
7: Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one.
4: That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jake Donovan, Jamel Herring, and Oscar Valdez for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week.
1: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.